You are significant. You have seeds of greatness inside of you. You are not on accident. You are on purpose. You are here for a very divine, special purpose. And we are going to talk in this podcast about evidence that you are significant. So last episode, we began by telling the backstory on my own life and how I found myself living in codependency and the signs of codependency, as well as one very important solution, the self-care guide, and not just a regular self-care guide, but an enhanced self-care guide. That means a self-care guide where, A, everything is written. It's not just in your head. So many of us, um, especially when we're in codependency, more and more, it, because we're, it's such chaos, we don't know where things are, things get lost, we find ourselves in places we did not expect to be, that more and more is just in our head. Um, but it is so important to have a written self-care guide so that you can literally check off the boxes and not leave gaps, Um, gaps in your own care, gaps in your children's care, your pets, even plants, because the things that are living in your life are important. And the goal is to keep living and keep thriving and not just be surviving. So in this episode, we are going to talk about um, another very, very important solution, and that is to set healthy boundaries. So with setting healthy boundaries, um, the hardest part is, um, am I right or am I right? Um, Please don't make this codependent raise her hand. The hardest part is actually setting the boundary and making a commitment to setting it. Um, It can just be very difficult to decide to get committed to setting boundaries and then committing to sticking with the boundary, remembering what the boundary is and then keeping to the boundary. Because as a codependent with all the chaos and all of the broken boundaries in our own life, being disrespected. Um, it unfortunately, it demonstrates that boundaries <clears throat> can be broken and we can survive without them. Um, and that is really an atrocity. It is a terrible thing um, to find ourselves living in a state where boundaries are not respected. And so as in uh, coming out of codependency and moving from surviving to thriving and living again, we have to reestablish respect for boundaries. And um, one of my friends, Brooke Hemingway, I love what she says. She says, just pick one, just pick one thing that you're going to really, really do before the day is over. And follow through and and do that thing. And when you do that, you establish respect. You're going to re- establish respect and appreciation and love again for a boundary and realize truly in your in your soul just how 
blessed it is to have a boundary, why a boundary is important, the benefits of a boundary, and you're going to have so much proof to yourself that A, you can keep a boundary and that B, boundaries are important and that C, boundaries are good. Because in the world of addiction and living in that chaos, all the opposite is supposed to be true. Boundaries are bad. We don't want to have to keep to any rules. This is just creating suffering. If we didn't have a boundary, life would be better, easier, and so forth. And that is farthest from the truth, right? And so um, learning learning healthy boundaries, and we're going to talk about what some of those boundaries are um, and how, how to begin to fall in love with boundaries again and reestablish boundaries again. So what does this entail? One is not saying yes to everyone. So Part of codependency is becoming a people pleaser, whether you realize it or not, if you're in this situation. Um, and again, it may be um, a grown child that you know that as we you listen to episode one, you were like, oh my goodness, I did not realize that my child who's grown is in a codependency situation. Or maybe your best friend and you just didn't even know what it was called or what it was named. But as you listen and learn what codependency is, you're like, oh my goodness, I did not realize my best friend is a codependent. And now this makes so much sense why she calls me 15 times a day because she can't decide if she's going to eat ramen or chicken noodle soup, or she can't find her shoes, or she just can't get motivated to get a shower. And she's calling me to tell me why she can't get motivated to take a shower, even though she knows she needs to. So the first thing to reestablish a boundary is to um, not, N-O-T, not say yes to everyone. So really, and I, I really think for me, when I found myself in codependency and I just started to learn what it was. Um, it, I can remember sitting in therapy with a couple that was our counselors at the time and just crying and sobbing that I could not prioritize. I did not, I could not decide what was most important anymore. And I had a lot of responsibilities. I was leading um, in several places. I was leading in several, several areas of my life. And I think I was doing a good job. But when it came to myself and respecting myself and honoring my own um, need for rest and fun, because fun is super important self-care to not fall into workaholic, um, which is one of the things I'm in recovery for as a co-addict um, in codependency, getting my value from overworking and never having fun and not um, taking time to do things that really nourished my own self. And so um, saying no, learning to say no and being able to say no means do, figuring out again and deciding again what is most important. 
And so you might just start practicing this, practicing this in, in small things. You might just start practicing this by looking at all the plates that you're spinning. If you had a plate in the air spinning on the end of a stick and another one and another one and another one, and you were kind of juggling these plates on the end of sticks and they were spinning and you had to keep all the plates spinning, you might just decide, A, I'm not taking on any more plates. I will be a firm no if I'm asked to lead in another area, Um, especially if you're a workaholic like I was, where you get your value and your confirmation you should exist and it's okay to take up space on the planet by overworking and overleading. And so um, no more plates could be a place to start. And then another place to start could be that with the plates you already have spinning, delegate more. Because I see so often in codependence that I lead with where I know they're in very unhappy relationships. They are not being nurtured by their partner. Their partner does not spend time with them, does not confirm how precious and wonderful they are, that um, this this tendency to yes, 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 inside of an area of leadership leads to self-destruction. And so just deciding I'm going, I'm not going to take on anything else inside of this area, whether that's church or whether that is, um, it could be at school. Maybe you're the PTA president. Maybe um, it's with an organization that you lead, but, you start to say, no, I'm not going to run the fundraiser. I'm already doing the treasury or I'm already the leader. I'm already, um, you know, always here to teach Bible class or whatever it is that you're already doing. And I'm sure doing excellent. You're not going to, you're, I don't know, you're going to start exercising a boundary by saying no when you're asked to do something else inside that area of leadership. Does this make sense? I would love to hear your comments either in the chat or you can send me a DM inside of Facebook Messenger or Instagram Messenger. So setting a boundary by learning first to say no sometimes. The next thing is not put yourself last, last, last. And I see so many moms do this where they're in codependency, they're not being nurtured, they're being taken advantage of, they're being mistreated. The stories I've heard would just, you would be shocked. I was, I was so shocked at the way some women are being treated in their marriages and the things men are doing to their wife in the name of Um, she has to do this. She's my spouse. And um, if she doesn't do it, then she's um, out of line. And it has nothing to do with love or anything that the Bible says that um, she should be doing. And yet, because again, codependency is an addiction, it's happening. It's happening to her and she is submitting to it. And so, um, 
it's so important to not put yourself and your own needs last, last, last. You, you can begin to set a boundary by saying, I will, I will stay up till 10 o'clock, but then I'm going to bed. I need sleep and I am not going to be kept awake half the night, any hour of the night. Um, I'm going to bed. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to get my rest. I'm going to um, show myself respect, even if I'm not being respected in my own home. So you start showing yourself respect and start building your own self-worth by setting boundaries. I am going to get a shower if it's, you know, by 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm, if you don't have to go to work somewhere outside your home by 10, I'm going to have a shower. Um, I'm going to change. I'm going to put on real clothes. I'm not going to be in pajamas. I'm not going to be in workout clothes. Maybe, maybe you are, maybe you need to start working out and you're going to set a boundary. I will work out four or five days a week. And that is just going to happen. You're going to have to do without me or without some task done or whatever it needs to be, because you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. Your body is the whole temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? And so God is the one you obey first. And then you look at what your spouse is asking of you and you have to take care of your body. And if you're not taking care of your body, that is an area you can set a boundary in. So I really, really love the alignment. We'll actually have it written up on my whiteboard right now. And um, there's five areas to think about that you can set boundaries in physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, and relationships. So look at those five areas to help you set priorities. And you might even rate those five areas on a scale of one to 10. One being I'm not setting any boundaries here. I'm just all over the place. And 10 being, I've got this down. This area is really, really good. And so rate those five areas, physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, and relationship, and see which area is the poorest. Where do I need to set some boundaries? Like this is a 911 type situation. I've got to start setting boundaries in this area first. And then if you ask your brain a question, it has to answer itself. So ask your brain, what do I need to do first? You literally will hear an answer back. The, the information is inside of you. You know what you need to do. You've just lost trust with yourself because of living in that addiction situation with abuse and, and the gaslighting that um, we talked about last episode, where it's like the conversation can get so mixed up so fast and they can make you feel crazy. You are not crazy. Trust yourself. Trust your intuition. Trust your gut. And when you ask yourself, what do I need most in this area right now? Just be quiet and listen. The answer will come. And if it doesn't come right away, you can ask the question on a post-it note or an index card and tape it to your mirror 
where you're going to practice self-care and brush your teeth. And you can read that question every day and the answer will come. It will come sooner than you think. You do know what you need to do. And the answer is inside of you. And things can get better and you can do this. You can set a boundary. So the other area that I wanted to talk about on this episode is you definitely need partnership, Um, especially living with an addict. Um, especially if this addiction has been going on for years um, and you've been become really broken down in the situation, you will need support. The addict is going to need support. He's he or she will need support to come out of that addiction. They cannot do it on their own and neither can you. So You want to go find in your area a recovery program that offers a 12-step recovery. And you want to get inside of that um, recovery program and start to do the work, as in go to the meetings. If they meet, most of them meet once a week, go once a week to the meeting. You also may need a counselor. Um, I really recommend, especially if you've been in this situation for a while or it's just blindsided you. Maybe you got married or your partner, you had no idea they were like this. And all of a sudden, boom, it, it's like Mr. Nice Guy turns into, you know, I can never remember. Is it Jekyll that's nice or Hyde? I always forget. But all of a sudden, they are not the person you thought they were. And so you need support. And um, to set boundaries, you're going to need support. You're going to need someone that you can call when you have said no, and then you start to feel guilty and you want to change your mind and you want to cave in and you want to go back and just be the yes person. It's going to take strength and that's normal. That's normal. So if you have a group that you're meeting with regularly every week, and a lot of times in the beginning, you need to do 90 meetings in 90 days, the addict does and the codependent does also needs to be going regularly. Um, A lot of times these places, there are places available that do have childcare. Um, If you need to ask your mom or someone safe, get the support you need to do the work and to make these changes. Um, I'm going to tell you a story of another day in my life. Um, And it's the story, I call it the story of the terrible day. The story of the terrible day. And so it happened one day in our little house on Vaughn Drive. I was hanging up clean laundry in the closet in our master bedroom And he sat on the edge of the bed and he said, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And I had never heard this before. I was like, you're not happy? And um, I didn't even turn around because I could, I was not even sure I heard the right words, that I heard what I heard. And I said, what do you mean I'm not happy? I'm not happy. I haven't been happy for a long time. The way we're raising our kids is the way you want to raise them. You have decided how we're going to school them, the kind of medicine we use. We don't have very many friends. Our life is how you want it to be. 
I was totally shocked. I turned around and I said, no. We discussed every one of these decisions together. We decided on homeschooling. We decided on homeopathy. We picked what church to go to together as a couple. We wanted to spend time with the other couples there. We've done date nights with the other couples. And we spend, spend time with our friends. What are you talking about? I just feel like I don't have anyone to talk to. You manipulate and control everything. We are living the life you chose for us. I'm not happy and I'm thinking of leaving. You what? I haven't decided, but I'm thinking of leaving. And so I began to cry. I just, I, I did not know what to do. This was the very first time I had heard anything like this at all. And um, I said, we need to talk to someone who can help us. We have three little girls. What about them? You have never mentioned this before. I thought you were depressed about work. We've always had great sex. How can you be saying this? I keep the house. I raise our girls. I thought we were doing pretty good. We go out on date nights. How can you be saying this? I'm not happy. What I learned as time went on, I learned that my husband's happiness is his responsibility. It isn't my responsibility to get up every morning and try to make him happy all day. If he is happy, it's because he is working on himself. He's practicing healthy habits. He's eating right. He's exercising. He's praying. He's spending time with God. He's in a real relationship with God first. God, not me. God. God is where the happiness really, truly comes from. And that is one of the things that we learn inside of 12 Steps. And some 12-step programs will say um, higher power, source, but ultimately, it is not about me as the codependent. It was not about me. It was about him and his higher power or his God. And praise the Lord that I learned that. And that really, truly began to set me free as I began to work on myself, not fixing him and realizing that my happiness was based on me practicing my own morning routine getting up, spending time with God, praying, reading my Bible, journaling, um, getting some breakfast, taking my vitamins, exercising, getting a shower, getting dressed, um, going, talking to friends, having other friends outside of our marriage, other female friends, doing fun things, going fun places, um, not making my whole, whole, whole existence revolve around him because his happiness is his responsibility and it's based on his relationship with who with god or source or higher power not me and one of our counselors i love the way this counseling couple put it they said it's like there's a triangle and god is at the very top of the triangle and on the two corners at the base of the triangle is you and him. And as you and him grow closer to God at the top, 
what happens to you. If you draw this out and you look and you see as you and him are getting closer to and closer and closer to God, what are you doing to each other? You're getting closer to each other. And that closeness is based on God and your relationship individually with God, not with not with each other. It's not based on each other even to have happiness between each other. It's actually based on your relationship with God. So um, getting back to where what to do in the solutions, make sure that you have really great group to meet with a 12-step group, a 12-step group that is safe. Um, I love Celebrate Recovery. They have been such an, a family to um, both Dawn and I um, since 2019. We've had so much healing by doing multiple 12 steps, um, 12 step studies through Celebrate Recovery. Um, Dawn and I are getting ready to join hands with another couple and start um, Recovery Through Christ. And if you're in the local Athens area, reach out to me. I can give you more details on that. But that is another Bible-based 12-step group. And so um, I am super excited about um, the work that we've already done as a couple, but individually. We, I went first and I started working on myself. And one of the first rules is you have to focus on yourself. You're not there to fix him or her. If um, you're there to fix and work on your own self. So it's so freeing to really let go of control of another human being. You don't have control over any other human being. And realizing that and really knowing it inside your heart will set you free when when you choose when i chose to work on myself and relinquish control over everyone else and let them do them and let me do me so um the the fourth and last thing to do as a codependent is make sure you have a plan you need a safe place to go because as you get started setting boundaries, as you get started going to 12 step, by the way, there's anonymity and confidentiality in these 12 step programs. No one is allowed to tell who they saw at the meeting. They're not allowed to mention names, not even to their spouse. They're not allowed to talk about it. And if they saw you out at the grocery store, they're not allowed to come up to you and say, hi. Uh, they're not allowed to do that. They have to just keep going as if they don't know you. You're a stranger. So you have anonymity. Now, once you're a leader and you decide to be public like Dawn and I have with our story and our recovery journey, then um, you can, of course, you have permission to come up to us at the store or church or whatever and talk to us um, because we uh, made a decision to um go public so that we can help other people who are in the same type of situation. And we already know there's so many, there's so many who need help, who need prayer, who need 12 steps. And the 12 steps is based on the Bible, every single step. Um, and again, like you can go to AA where there's, it's based on higher power and the Bible is not included, but they've taken 
the programs that we've done take it and it's all Bible based, the 12 steps and the eight principles. And it's truly life changing to um, get involved in a recovery program that is Bible based. But you need to have a safe place because in the beginning, it can be you need to have a safe place. It can be challenging times. You need a safe person to talk to. Again, this could include a counselor. You need a small backpack to leave at the at a moment's notice. If you don't feel safe, you need to already have a, a backpack. It needs to have money in it and enough money for a hotel room, enough money for gas. If the car's on empty, you need to do whatever you need to do within reason, legal, of course, to um, have that bag packed and have some money in there that you do not touch. It is for that emergency. So um, there's safe people. There's always safe people. And I definitely can identify with losing trust in anyone but myself because of what I went through. Um, I didn't, I actually went to other people. I, the Bible even said I should be able to trust and it didn't go well. And that's because even in those places, people are people. They're not, no one's perfect. Jesus was the only perfect one. So being prayerful, yes, you're going to have to step out on faith and try and you may be disappointed. But if you come to a 12 step, there's anonymity, there's confidentiality. The people that you meet there will be in similar situations. They're not going to tell yours because they don't want theirs told. And so automatically you've got every reason to know you can trust and you have to step out. You have to step out and get help. Because if you keep isolating, then the situation, it does not stay the same. It gets worse and worse and worse. You have to step out. You have to trust someone. And there are people you can trust. So please reach out to me if you have any questions on that. Um, That terrible day when my sweetheart told me he wasn't happy and he was thinking of leaving me. He decided to stay. And there was a honeymoon period after that. Life was good. A few more years went by. He deployed to Iraq. We kept communicating through emails and Skype calls while he was gone. And those were good. Those were even good months. But the year he got home and started trying to settle back into regular civilian life and even being still in the military, military life at home, things fell apart again. And it came to a head one day when he shared heartbreaking, what some would call unforgivable news with me. And that is when I left. I had friends who had been through similar things and been able to heal their marriage. Whoop, whoop. One of those friends was the first to call me. She was my safe friend at that time, and I will forever be grateful for her. She and her husband um, became a counseling couple, and it was in that counseling that I first heard of codependency, the addict brain, and that the real chemical changes that happen to it, that brain that it does take time to heal and they do need help. They cannot heal. They cannot come out of that addiction on their own. They're not going to pray and say, please forgive me. 
in public or in private and get over it. They're going to have to have addiction help. And I learned that my husband's happiness was not up to me. So I learned about codependency and that is where my freedom began. And as I applied these steps that I've shared with you in episode one and episode two to my own life, I got more and more free. I started growing and growing and came back to my dreams again. And being on my healing journey allowed me to work on the most important relationship in my life, my relationship with God. And I began to feel freedom and freedom is the highest, highest, highest emotion that we can experience. And I began to feel confidence that I have never felt before. Yes, even confidence in my marriage. And I started attending Celebrate Recovery and I committed to a 12-step class. I learned I needed to love myself. No matter who else loves me, God loves me. God always loves me unconditionally. And he made me and I am complete and whole, 100% whole with him. And there is a scripture that says, nothing can separate me from the love of God, not highs or lows in life. No spiritual beings are more powerful than him. So even Satan in the form of anyone else, a person who a person trying to rip my heart out or break me into a million pieces with God, I am safe. Those external forces are powerless over me. Because I am a daughter of the king. I am significant. And you are significant too, friend. So thank you so much for tuning in to episode two. And tuning in to this podcast. You are significant. And I want to tell you, you have seeds of greatness inside of you. You have purpose. You are on purpose. You are not an accident. God has made no accidents. Every single thing that's happened in your life, he is going to turn it around and use it to glorify him. He will allow you to, excuse me, take what you've been through and use it to help someone else heal and someone else to find their healing and their power again through God, through Christ Jesus. And it is going to take something that was so horrific and painful and almost destroyed you and turn it into something beautiful that will elevate you to a higher level than you ever dreamed possible because of him. So thank you so much for joining this podcast episode. Thank you for listening to You Are Significant. Please leave us a review. Please leave comments. Give us a like and share this out. We appreciate you here on You Are Significant. And I cannot wait till next time to spend time with you.